Welcome to the Becoming Iconic Podcast. I am your host, Jen Spiegel. I'm a lifestylist, serial entrepreneur, and a mom of four. It's really important to me that I talk about all areas of our lives on this podcast. I really believe when we look after all those values and pillars within our lives, that's when we really become unstoppable, joyful, and the highest version of ourselves. So welcome to a series called Love and Marriage. And I just want to start this series letting you know marriage to me means many things. It's simply relationship. It could even mean in this point, relationship with yourself. I hope you open yourself up to these conversations and that it really helps you identify areas you'd love to work on and grow and also areas where you can really celebrate how you're showing up in relationship. Thank you so much for being here. Sink in this love month with me and let's talk all things relationship. Hey icons, welcome to today's podcast with a really special couple. We have Kara and Mike Ayala who are really exceptional human beings. And to me, one of the inspiring couples I got to look up to and look sort of through their journey and know a bit more about their story in 2019. And we have them on today because not only are they an exceptional couple and parents, but they're also incredibly successful in business. And to me, that always got me uber inspired because a lot of times with highly successful couples, you can see marriages disconnect or one take a back seat to somebody else's goals. And so today to have the two of you on and share you is such a gift. I'm so grateful that you're here. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having us. We like so appreciate being on here with you. You are such an amazing role model for me as well. So the feelings are totally mutual. Yeah, totally excited to be here. And and I have a lot of Canadian listeners because of you. So I appreciate it. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm glad they're learning through you because money, which is sort of your specialty, I would say, is definitely a conversation that I see coming to the forefront in the last year, two years. But I know we have just scratched the surface on what we really need to do in terms of money mindset and money management and investing and all the things which you are an expert in. So I would love, though, if we could start with your love story. I love hearing a good love story and I'd love to hear how you met and how you became this couple today. So we actually met in high school. I was dating a friend of hers and that's how I really got introduced to her. But yeah, Mm -hmm. so it goes way back to then. And, you know, even from an early age in high school, we learned to just really dream together and we'd spend a lot of time on the phone till, I mean, sometimes two or three in the morning during high school, just kind of dreaming about the future. So from an early age, we really learned to just dream together. So yeah, I think, I think that's what is like been the most special thing with us, I think, is that we have always dreamed together Mm -hmm. and never left each other behind. So just going back to the beginning, I think that is one of the things that really connected me to you, Mike, is that we could dream together and that you would believe and and dream with me and the things that I was thinking. And it wasn't, nothing was like too crazy or too big. Um, And so we dated throughout high school um, and then kind of had some, you know, rough patches as high school relationships do. Um, And then I think we ended up breaking up when I was like a senior and then ended up getting back together and married right after high school. Yeah. And most of those challenges were because of me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but there was something that kept you connected because you came back together. And I think that's really special. I didn't realize that you were high school sweethearts. I think we talked about this, Kara, when you were on the podcast before, and I think it rings a bell, but that to me just feels like such a special bond because you probably can look back and be like, remember when in high school and share those memories together. I know with my husband, that's one thing I've always felt like, oh, I wish we could share those stories and understand how it felt and like laugh about silly things. So I think that's so special and unique. So tell me when you got married, 
and you decided you're meant to be together and you've been together for how long? 20 years? Yeah. 21 years we've been married. Oh guys, congratulations. I just think that's so beautiful. And you've had kids and raised them and raised businesses. I would love to know, like in those early stages, we have a lot of new fresh moms listening to this podcast. And I know for myself, when I first had kids, it really takes your relationship sort of to the side. It did for me because they're so consuming. How did you navigate through those times? I think the biggest thing for us was that we always kind of tried to focus on our marriage, but at the same time, like kids are very consuming. Like I remember when we came home with our firstborn son and I was like, oh my gosh, they just sent me home with this child and they didn't give me any instructions. I don't even think I changed the diaper, his diaper for like the first three days. Mike did all of that because I was terrified. Mm -hmm. And I think like the most important thing was just like, we kept having to come back together. And something that happened early on was that our son had to have a surgery. I probably talked about this in the first podcast. I'm not sure, but I feel like we had been married for a year and he was two months old. And I feel like during that time we had to come together mm-hmm. or we were going to be driven apart. So even though that was a really, really tough time, it was almost a blessing for us in our marriage of having to come together because it's easy in circumstances like that to start pointing fingers and putting blame on each other, even though it's not anybody's fault. It's a natural human tendency to want to put blame on other people. So we had some great people in the hospital actually give us that advice to like mm-hmm. come together as a couple and fight as a team. And I, I would second that. And, and, you know, Karen, and I talk about being on the same team. I'll never forget one of my best friends in high school he constantly reminds me when I first started dating her, I I looked at him and I said, I'm going to marry that girl. And the crazy thing is even, you know, we talked about this, but we broke up for a while. And once you make that commitment, you have to work through it. And when, you know, what Carol was talking about, even our early days, I I think challenges, and then this goes for marriage, business, anything. When you have challenges in life, you can either let it separate you and tear you apart, or you can cause that to pull you together. And, and to Kara's point, I mean, even all through the pregnancy, we actually found out 12 weeks, I think in the womb that he had some kind of issue. So then we're like going to Salt Lake and, and having to take time off every four weeks and travel. And, you know, I'm the only one working at that stage. And I think I was making $12 an hour or something. And, you know, we look back to that time and we're like, how did we even make it through that? He had to be born in Salt Lake. And they were basically saying, if she went into labor, he had to be life flighted. And we're, I'm 21, you're 20. Yep. I mean, we're just young kids. And things like that in life, and again, it doesn't have to be, you know, health, it it can be business, it can be financial, any of that. You can let that tear you apart, or you can let that make you stronger and pull you closer together. Mm, I love that. I love that answer, Mike. And what I'm hearing from both of you is that it's really as simple as just making a choice. Mm -hmm. Would you say it's just choosing to make it bring you together versus separate you? Is it that simple? I do think it is, but I also think like environment too. I just was thinking back as Mike was talking during that time, environment is huge as well. And during our early stages, a lot of my good friends had moved away. My family, like my whole entire family moved to a different country. And during that time, I feel like it caused us to grow really close together too. So I think setting yourself up in the beginning too, to like really like separate yourself from the rest of the world so that you can have that bonding time too. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's good advice. I've never even thought of that, but you do think about how many couples come together and bring their families within that relationship. Ha, huh, that's a good tip. Friends, write that one down. It's true. It's almost as though it's letting yourselves come together and build your own traditions, your own values. What does this house want to feel like and look like versus bringing in generational ideas? Ha, mm-hmm. huh, that's a good one. We were actually just with her mom, I don't know, a month ago, and she was somewhat apologizing for, you know, leaving Kara at such a young age. And Kara actually said, that's probably the best thing that could have ever happened to us. I had the most incredible experience in 2019 where I was doing a meditation and I was really new to meditating. I had this resistance to meditation. 
but this experience was the most divine appointment I have ever had. I met the future version of myself. I was with her and I could see every detail of her, her joy, her health, her vibrancy, her prosperity, how happy and abundant she was. It was one of the most beautiful moments I have ever had. And when I opened my eyes after that meditation, no longer did I see my dreams and desires as this far off illusion that I was working towards every single day that I questioned and wondered about. It solidified everything for me. Now I wake up every day and every decision I make is based on that future version. How would I show up for my business today? How would I show up for my relationships, my health? All the decisions I'm making are that pursuit of her because it's a knowing now. I know that that is my future and that is who I am and meant to be. And I wanted to give this experience to you because it was just so beautiful and so life-changing for me. So I'm offering you my meditation. I really dug into that emotional experience that I had and I wanted to give this to you so that you can revisit this meditation over and over again until this is in fact your experience and it shifts everything in your life that you have a knowing on who you are meant to be and you start showing up today as that version and you're not waiting for the dream to come true or the goal to happen. Instead, you know that that is your birthright and now it's just embodying that person today. Go to jenspiegel.com, download that meditation and friends, please share with me. Let me know, have you had this experience and be patient with the process. It may take a few times, but once you have the experience, you will not be able to shake that connection to yourself and who you're becoming. Thank you so much for giving this an opportunity and a chance because I know it will change your life. Oh, perspective. Hey, hindsight. Ah, yeah. oh, I love it. Okay. So let's dive deep. There's two things I'd love to focus on um, going forward here with the both of you, because I am sensing you have a lot of good nuggets. I'd love to know, like, what are your top three to five marriage tips? If someone sat down with you, what would you say are tips they should hang on to? Pick your battles. Because there's so many things that we can focus on that will, again, just back to coming together and you know being on the same team. There's so many things on a daily basis that we could let drive a wedge between us. And the reality is we're humans. And yes, we chose to be together. And yes, we committed to being in a long-term relationship, but that's an ongoing, excuse the word, but battle. And so for me, it's, it's pick your battles because not everything matters. I mean, actually, when it comes to marriage and, and living together long-term, very little actually matters. Good one. What about you, Kara? I'm going to give my very top one. And I think it is dreaming together. I know we kind of started out with that, like that we would dream together when we were younger, but I feel like that is kind of like a cement for marriages to like make it a, make it like, it's like almost you have to do it on purpose of sharing each other's dreams. So even like on our date nights now, a lot of the time we spend telling each other our dreams and then encouraging each other and and helping each other. How are you going to reach that? So sometimes it might be a dream that we have together, but then also believing in each other's dreams. So I believe in his dreams just as much as I believe in my dreams. So I think dreaming together and letting your mind go to those crazy places that you know, kind of seem impossible sometimes because you never know you might end up living that same dream that you're dreaming in a year or two from the time you're dreaming it. And I think there's a really good lesson in the dreaming conversation too, because if we can't share our crazy wild, even sometimes out there dreams with the person that we are supposed to like trust the most, right? then 
who can we share it with? And so really, if you don't like just come together and talk about that, like being open and uh, somebody calls it stupid idea time. I can't remember who it is, but just being able to share that um, and committing to basically non-judgment, no matter how crazy it's, it, it sounds. If you can't do that with the person that you committed to spend the rest of your life with, who can you do it with? No one. So um, right. dreaming together, having that space for each other is super important. Mm. Okay. This is good. So it stems into like, I have another question coming out of that though, if you don't mind me taking a little bit of a turn. So I'm curious because I know how many women I speak to in particular who feel like their husbands aren't on the same personal growth journey as they are, or don't dream as big as they are. And I've had this thought in my head and that a lot of times we're focusing on having our spouse. Most of the time in my conversations, it's the husband, but it can be the wife and pulling them along with us, like expecting them to keep up with us. And I think it's created in our culture, either um, a, a total disconnect because you feel like you're on two different paths. When really what I'm hearing from you guys is dream together and appreciate each other's dreams and stop expecting to have the same ones all the time. Is that correct? Would you say you're seeing a lot of that in the, what you're doing as well? Uh, absolutely. And you will both have like totally separate dreams and then there'll be some that you have together. Also, I just want to speak a little bit to the fact of like the two people that feel like they're on two different paths or being more magnetic. And what I mean by that is like, how do you draw your spouse into um, your dreams and what you're doing by working on yourself? Um, I think we have both been in stages. There's times where he's leading or there's times where I'm leading but I think we both invite each other into it. And it's not a, you should be doing this or why aren't you dreaming big enough for me? It's like, how do you draw them in to the dreams that you're dreaming so that they want to be a part of it? Because, you know, if somebody tells you, you should be doing this, what are you going to do? Automatically, we're like, uh, who are you? You're not my boss. And we're not here to be each other's bosses. Yeah. We're here to support each other and be a team. So if I can't draw him into my dreams, then I'm doing something wrong in myself. So it comes more to like focusing on what you're doing in your daily life and how you're building yourself to draw that other spouse into you. I'm sitting on the edge of my seat because I sense that there's a little bit of shaming that can happen in relationships, right? You shame the person who may not have as big a dream as you in that moment. And I love how you say, draw them in because when we make them feel badly for not having the same path in that moment, it just creates this divide, doesn't it? It totally does. Yeah. Yeah, and, And it's so interesting too, because we talk a lot. I mean, even just in the social media realm and everything else, comparison is a thief. Mm -hmm. And we understand that like when we're comparing ourselves to outside people, but when we begin to start measuring against each other, like I'm here and you're here, that's a thief. I mean, that's stealing love. It's stealing joy. It's stealing everything you've worked so hard on. One of my mentors says that if two partners in a business venture have the same strength, one of them's not needed. So how do we shift that and bring that into a marriage? I mean, we weren't designed to be the same, even just male, female. And and even within that, there's masculine, feminine, all that stuff. And some of us have different callings on our life as individuals. And so when we bring what we're meant to do as individuals into a marriage, we have to learn to partner with that. And we're on the same team. Comparing where I'm at versus where she's at or vice versa, all that does is steal from you. Mm. Oh, guys, this is amazing. Amazing. No wonder you're going to be great mentors for couples because um, you have a lot of wisdom. And that's just from walking this path together, I would assume, right? Just working through all those moments where maybe it wasn't so easy. Have you had a really rough moment in your marriage? <laughs> uh, probably a lot. Uh, I So thinking back at like the early days, um, there was a period of time where I did work in the beginning and then it got to the point where I had three kids and they were all really little and there just wasn't, I mean, it would cost me more money to get a job, even though sometimes I would rather pay 
because it's hard work being at home with your kids. Um, but there were times where he was working out of town. I remember when I was pregnant with our last child and he was working out of town for the whole entire nine months. And I had two toddlers. Mm-hmm. And when you're at home and you have two toddlers, you just kind of want to pull your hair out sometimes. So I remember during that time being very lonely mm-hmm. because he was gone. And it wasn't his choice. But at the same time, we were both young. And I remember I actually found a journal a little while ago, not to be mean or point fingers to you, babe. But I saw a journal and it was talking about how sad I was because he would come home and he would go hang out with like some of his friends. Mm-hmm. And I would be like, I just feel like I'm not seen. I was reading my journal and going back to like, I'm really mad at you, babe. Like I would not put up with that today. <laughs> um, you know, like kind of reverting back to that. I would not put up with that today. But at the same time, like that's what brought us to where we are. And then learning to communicate my needs to him that I need you to be here for me rather than just, you know, you, I know you're providing for me and I appreciate that, but I also need you to be here as a husband to support me and love me as well. I think she just said something that's really key though, being able to voice your feelings, your needs, and even back then. So I was working out of town. I'm 23 years old. I'm running a crew of 16 guys that are twice my age, huge project. And and literally I'd be out of town. I'd work 90, a hundred hours a week during that time. And it was super stressful. And I would come home and obviously I, I, we were involved in a church at that point in time too. And so I'd get called to work, if you will, outside of work. And, but I didn't understand what she needed then. And so, yeah, I'm not justifying it in any way, but when she said that, I was like, wow. And being able to communicate that I think is so important, but also those times, like that entire time is what put us on the trajectory that we're on today. I mean, knowing, so here's something interesting about her, even when we dream in high school, like her dream was to be the best mom in the world. Like that was one thing that she, she had, she was always felt called to. I mean, I think she's accomplished it. So when we first started, when we first got married, she was working and like, I remember her, she's so great with money. Um, she would, she would set her check aside because she never wanted to like rely on that paycheck knowing that she wanted to be a stay at home mom. And so just thinking back through a lot of that, it was never our goal. I grew up with, my dad was a disaster. Um, he basically showed me what a dad shouldn't look like and what a marriage shouldn't look like. And so really growing through that, you can learn as much from bad examples as you can positive. And we knew what we wanted and what we didn't want was me missing an entire third pregnancy. We can design our life around those challenges, I guess, is what I'm really getting at. And that whole period of time actually put us on the trajectory to start our own business when I was 24, she was 23 and, and kind of took us into the entrepreneurship realm. So life can give you, you know, lemons, but like they say, make lemonades, right? So that's, that's what we did. I love that too, Mike. And I look at them as almost like agreements within the marriage, like having those agreements. This is, these are things I need that make me feel seen and heard and loved. And I think once we voice that and tell each other, it's just so simplistic. And really we're at the basis. We just want to feel loved and appreciated. I think that's where we share it, no matter male, female, or other. It's just that feeling of acceptance and unconditional love that we all crave. Love hearing these stories. Thank you. And you bring like a beautiful segue into entrepreneurship because I know that that was the beginning of amazing things in terms of career for both of you. And I want to just congratulate you. I've spoken to you in person, Mike, but I have celebrated you behind the scenes with Kara and just congratulate you on the beautiful success you created within your business and now out doing your own thing. So I would love to pick your brain on money because the two of you have been blessed and it's abundant. And that must be something that you had to navigate through as well, because I'm hearing that that wasn't necessarily your upbringing or the beginning of your marriage. This was new. So how do you figure that out together? 
In the beginning stages, we had a mentor that taught us how to budget, I think kind of Dave Ramsey style without us knowing, Uh, right? Is that what kind of what it was? Uh Um, And I think that that kind of set us up for like budgeting wise good. But as we started like making more money, we had to shift our perspective a lot um, and not considering debt as a bad thing um, and begin using it as a tool too. I think that that would probably be one of our first lessons of money when we started growing in our entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. And for me, it's kind of goes back to even just having the poor example of what a husband was or what a marriage was. You can learn as much from bad examples as you can positive. And, you know, growing up, I, I, I grew up, you know, pretty poor. Um, I talk about this a lot. I actually lived in a, a one bedroom, one bath, single wide for a while in a mobile home park, which interestingly enough is, you know, a lot of the real estate we've invested in with five of us, there was five of us in the family. And I just think back to, by this time, my mom had married my stepdad. And I think back to them just letting us, you know, roughhouse and run around that little tiny home. And I mean, just God bless them because for them to stay married through that was enough in itself, but you can learn a lot from from not having something or what you don't want out of life. And I think that's one of the things we were both surrounded growing up with some, you know, just really conservative uh, in Kara's case. And in my case, a you know, poor mindset. And I saw a lot of what I didn't want. And so just seeing from that example, like um, it, it was never really about money for me, by the way, it was always just a bigger purpose, a bigger cause. It's not really necessarily about nice cars and all that kind of stuff. I just I wanted a different life. And, you know, even back to what I constantly talk about investing for freedom, the number one thing that we wanted was the ability to own our time. I never wanted somebody to be able to tell me I can't take off work because of, I want to go to my son's soccer game, or, you know, one of my kids wants to go out of town or, or she wants to go out of town last minute. For me, it was all about freedom. So I would just encourage people, maybe don't necessarily focus on the money, but what is, what is it that you're really looking for out of life and how do you achieve that? And so um, you know, a lot of times, even the business product, it isn't necessarily about an individual product. And you'll hear people say all the time, like, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And while I agree with that to some um, part, I, I don't think it's always necessarily about the product. It's about the lifestyle you want. Yeah, I so agree. And if you think about like, I think another thing that happened to us is we realized that the more money that you can make, the more of an impact you can make and your impact and your income always coincide together. So if you're wanting to make an impact and you start making that impact, the money will follow that. So I love what you said about like leading with what what you're wanting to do and the purpose that you're wanting to serve in. Um, and sometimes they don't align. So sometimes you have to find a way to make money um, and make money work for you to do your purpose. So, but it's just more of a, um, I think a push to like get to that point where you can, you're not, you know, when you're sleeping, you're making money so that you can do what you were called to do. So good. So good. And I appreciate the fact that you've built this based on your dreams. That's what I'm hearing. You know, you've been dreaming together and that's what you were pursuing versus the income or paycheck. And it's beautiful to witness a couple who chased dreams or pursued their dreams and ended up looking and going, well, look what we've created. I'm sure it was just a really beautiful byproduct that you've been able to celebrate. Ah, so happy for the two of you. I have a question though. I'd love to hear your opinion on. So let's say we have a couple listening right now and they say, well, that's nice for you. You have financial freedom. I barely have enough money to pay for my groceries every month. And my husband and I, it's all we fight about. What would you say to that couple right now? If you could sit down with them. Um, I think my biggest piece of advice would be to create a happy budget. I do like Dave Ramsey and the fact that he helps you get out of bad consumer debt. So I think that that's a good place to start because a lot of times all of our debt is on things that we're consuming and it's not really bringing us true happiness. So when you 
evaluate something unless you've tracked it. So you really do have to like go through your finances and find out where your money is going. Because if you want to be the master of your money and you want to be the person that decides where your money goes, then you're going to have to sit down and figure out where it's going first. And then after you figure that out, then you decide where you want that money to start going. And I think that that's something that we've been really good at too, is like deciding where we want our money to go. It's not our money deciding where it wants to go. And then one thing that we started implementing early in our marriage as well is like paying ourselves 10%. And what I mean by that is not paying your electric bill, not paying your mortgage, not going and buying clothing and food and things like that, but actually putting aside 10% of your money that's going to go to something that's going to bring more cash flow back to you. And I think that that's something that we've done really well with. And once you start doing it, it's kind of scary to make that first leap, but like open another account and just put it in there. I promise you, you will not notice it after two months. If you're getting any kind of a paycheck from your job, it's our, I mean, taxes are getting taken out every month and you don't notice it. So it's just starting to do that. And then as you start doing that, you, you begin realizing that you are the master of your money and you start telling it where to go. So I think that would be my first step. I want to say this before the step. Um, again, we're different. And, and usually, um, you know, where two people come together, if they have the same strength, they're probably not married. She was really conservative and I'm very frivolous and we've learned to kind of meet in the middle. So first off, you know, make sure that your differences are celebrated and, and doesn't drive a wedge between you. So again, we're on the same team. So that's the first thing that I would say, but along those lines, there's a shift in my mind and I don't want to get into semantics, but at the same time, um, you know, some of you might have W-2 income. Some of you might own your own business. Some of you might have W-2 income with side businesses. We've got all the above. Literally, I still make a W-2 income from my first business. It doesn't matter where you make your money or earn your money. And I'm going to say this real quick. Kara mentioned consuming. So that's where the real problem comes when we consume more than we make or more than we earn. That's where the challenge is. But then there's different viewpoints. So I've always thought through the lens of not consuming less, which is going to sound horrible for a minute, but how do I create more? Yes. And that's the perspective that I come from. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. You just have to figure out what camp you set in. And by the way, if you've got to go through Dave Ramsey envelope type stuff, like do it. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all good with that. But the faster that you can learn to utilize debt in a good way and leverage to scale faster, the sooner you're going to learn to create more which is going to increase your ability to consume if that's what you want. There's nothing wrong with having nice things in life. There's nothing wrong with taking your family on a great vacation. There's nothing wrong with any of that. And we shouldn't feel guilty about it. When we feel guilty about it is when that bank account is glaring at us and, and it's negative and our bills are overwhelming us. And so I'm not telling you to consume more than you earn, but how do you create more? How do you increase your ability to earn and grow? And the bottom line for me is if you want to earn more, you've got to give more, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the secret to living is giving. And so shifting that in my mind is extremely important for me because I can't be confined by a budget. I'm not saying we don't live on a budget, but we create that budget. And I don't want that budget to dictate what I'm going to create in life. And so just shifting that from, okay, here's how much I earn to how much more can I create was a mindset shift for me. Gosh, you guys are full of goodness. I tell you, it was so good. You know, another thing that um, I recently learned through one of my coaches as well is having a date night around paying bills because so often when we pay a bill and money is tighter than we would like it, it's this negative feeling like, oh, I got to pay the electrical bill or I've got to pay, you know, this bill or the mortgage. And she recommends to her clients, which I thought was really neat, is get dressed up like you're going to go on a date, like actually put on nice clothes pour a glass of wine, sit down and pay the bills together, like make it like an event. Mm -hmm. And I thought, isn't that like 
so good for someone who normally is like, ah, I'm giving money to, hey, babe, let's get, you know, dolled up and sit down and have a glass of wine and actually give thanks that we're able to pay that electrical bill this month because through gratitude comes more. Sometimes we just forget to look at all the blessings we have. And let's face it, in North America, goodness gracious, like we have a lot of blessings that we take for granted. Totally. And I love what she said because she's just causing us or teaching us to shift the energy around money. Yeah. We're not coming at it from a perspective of lack and it's just shifting the energy around it. I love it. Yeah. Another thing too, when I wasn't, you know, making a lot of money in my business, when I first started out, I remember before I would look, I'd always say, I'm just so grateful God for whatever this is, because it's more than I made before I did this business. And so before I even looked, I just gave gratitude and I'm not kidding you. This is one of my miracles in life. Every time it was more than what I expected and not massive, like not, you know, hundreds more, but there was always just a little more than what I anticipated it would be. And I believe that was just a reflection of being grateful for what was no matter what. And it felt really good growing the business. I love that so much. I think gratitude is such a huge thing that we should be focusing on more as people and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, giving thanks for what we do have creates that place for more. Mm. Yeah. And I don't think there's a right or wrong in, you know, people's methods or whatever, but for me, grinding isn't necessarily the answer. I want to slow down. One of our mentors one time, I mean, he had like a million dollar problem and he went fishing. He's like, I, I, I can't solve this. I'm going fishing. And to me, there's so much wisdom in that because mm-hmm. there, it gets to a point where it doesn't matter how long you stress at the table. If you need a million dollars and you don't have it right now, you're not going to solve it by sitting at the table and stressing out. So he went fishing and he came up with the solution. And so Again, I'm not saying that grinding isn't the solution if that's how you work, but sometimes just getting into that gratitude and that place of silence and, and just gratitude alone is, is huge because you're just thankful. Speaking of that guy, you know, going fishing, it wasn't that he was going fishing. So like whatever it is that inspires mm-hmm. you to get you in a place that you can be creative yeah. because there's so much that can happen in that creative space that I mm-hmm. think that we ignore sometimes. And we think we just got to do, do, do rather than getting ourselves in a place where we can get those downloads of the ideas and the creativity that we're going to need to get us out of that situation or get us to the next level. Yeah. And that goes back to what I like. You could go to work with a million dollar problem and there's no way you're going to earn enough that day to solve your million dollar problem. But if you learn to create and get into that zone that she's talking about, whether it's fishing or creation, what doesn't matter what it is, whatever that zone is for you, if you learn to create in your life, you will bring that into existence. And I don't think that's woo woo. It's just getting out of your head. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I agree with you, Kara. I think it's one of those things that can often be ignored or pushed aside in the busy, the grind that most people are addicted to. We we don't sit in the quiet because we feel almost guilty for that quiet because we're, you know, I got to make more. I want to build. I want to grow. And we think by sitting down quietly, we're not working. But I have really practiced that in 2020. And it's just incredible what has been manifested. The downloads I've had that were gifted to me that I'm sure I would have missed if I just stayed in the busy. So I love that advice. Okay. So I'd love to ask you a juicy question in your marriage. You've been married for 20 years, high school sweethearts. How do you keep the spark alive? Uh, Well, look at her. I I know. I mean, Mike, it's obvious. (laughs) Um, I think date nights, um, keeping our date nights consistent has been really big for us and then taking trips together too. So on our date nights, we go in with like a mindset of like, we're here to have fun, not from a mindset of like, this is something we have to do. It's like, what, what's going on in your life? Like I want to, like, we really try to connect on our date nights. And like I said, dream together still on our date nights, but then also getting away, getting away from your work, getting away from 
kids, getting away from everything and really connecting in a different environment has been powerful for us as well. Yeah. And also like just understanding each other's, you know, I mean, she likes different things than I do and, and not that she has to go golfing with me every week or whatever, but just, you know, enjoying each other is important. And this is interesting. What Kara was just saying about like even date night, I think that's the most important thing, honestly, like once a week, no matter what's going on, connect. But I was at an event. It's a group of guys that it's all around dads. And it was interesting to me how many people were talking from a standpoint of um, they don't go on date nights, number one or number two. It's like a, it's like a chore. It's like something that's on their calendar. And if you have to do that to start out with, great, do it, block out the time, make it happen. But also like I'm, I'm excited to go on date night. Cause like, we're going to go to a nice restaurant every single week. I know, well, it's not always a nice restaurant, but um, <laughs> it almost always is. And I know no matter what, we're going to sit down, we're going to have fun. And I don't know where the conversation is going to go. We don't even need, um, you know, some people talk about having like index cards with like talking points on things to talk about it. If that's where you have to start, great, do it. But Karen and I have done this for a while and we don't even like, we don't plan, we don't pre-plan date night. It's just, it's an environment of creation. It's inspiration to me. And I think those index cards might really come in handy though. Really in the beginning, if you are having trouble having those good conversations, something like that, like a conversation starter might be good because you need to reconnect to like where you first started. That's where you're craving and what you're wanting. But so many times I think in marriage and in relationships, you know, we just get into like the daily things and we forget, we forget why we fell in love with each other and we forget what attracted you to that person. And then I even think sometimes what attracted to them kind of repels you at a certain point because you're focusing so much on all the negative instead of like taking a step back and remembering why you fell in love and remembering those first things that you did. Maybe you go on a like, uh, you know, like our first date, we went rollerblading. So maybe you do something like that to just like bring in some fun. Um, I also had somebody tell me one time, like on a date night, and actually I think I practiced this for a while because for a while we'd go on date nights and I would just, and I think as a woman, this is normal to unload on him. And I'd be crying, like every night, date night, I would be crying by the end. And he would be like looking around, like everybody in here thinks that like I'm being so mean to you. (laughs) So I think too, if you're, if this is something new for you, it's okay if there's going to be tears and just to like set those boundaries that this is a safe place because I feel like I needed that space for him to let me cry and him not be worried about what everybody else in the room was thinking if he was being mean to me or not, because we knew what was happening. So just allowing and creating that space for each other too. Yeah. And I think it's important. um, I was just having this conversation and it wasn't around marriage, but I think it's important for us to say less. And I'm not talking about, you know, just having open conversation at date night, but yeah, as men, bringing this into the marriage, um, there's a big theme around guys wanting to solve problems. Um, and maybe sometimes that's women too, but you know, sometimes we don't need to have answers for every single part of the conversation. And so whether it's in marriage or outside, I've learned to just say less and speak less, unless I really feel led to say something, you know, maybe it doesn't matter. And so when she's in that period of time too, where she's venting and unloading, I don't need to say something to everything she's saying. Sometimes I just need to sit there and listen. And I've had to learn that not just in marriage, but in business and events. And, uh, you know, when you're with brilliant people, I've, I've had to learn that across the board, but I think it's really important in what Kara's talking about for us as men to just sometimes let our wives unload and you don't have to say something always. Yeah. And we don't always have to cry either. (laughs) (laughs) Or if it starts going to that negative thing, stop talking about it. Mm -hmm. Stop. If it's going to be a negative conversation, end it right there, change the subject and move on to something better and have that set up beforehand. I think that's a really cool thing to do too. Is like, if it starts going sideways, we're just going to change the subject and both of us know we're going to a different place and we're not going to hang out there. 
Mm, good. Is that what you do as well when you disagree? When you're in a disagreement, what? how do you get out of that? <laughs> well, we've, I mean, we've definitely had some blowouts. Um, trying to think of our last, I think we've learned to just kind of give each other space. Yeah. I'm thinking about like more recent, like things that we've argued about. I feel like we kind of will say our opinion, but then it's like, sometimes we're just trying to say our opinion just to get our opinion across rather than just like creating space. And then usually what's supposed to happen works out happening. Yeah. And you know, this comes back to personalities and there's all different kinds, but you know, Karen and I are both high quick starts and visionaries and like, I'm not patient at all. So if we're talking about something big, I probably want to just decide right now and, and implement it 10 minutes now. But I've learned too, that most of the things that we would talk about that if it is heated, I can't even think of a situation, Uh, but if it is heated, it probably doesn't need a decision right this second. And so just table it. Like, I mean, we've learned it sitting on boards and, you know, being in leadership meetings and everything else. I mean, how many times do we table decisions? So just bring that into your marriage, just table it. If it doesn't need to be solved right this second, table it. Mm-hmm. Good. Very good. Okay. So I want to know, Mike, what is your favorite thing about your beautiful wife? Just her love and energy. I mean, it doesn't matter where we are. She brings me so much favor. Like I can take her anywhere. If I wanted to meet like a king, I would make sure that I bring my wife with me because she just brings me favor. Everybody loves her. I, I literally can't think of one person other than some weird people in high school that don't love her. So she's just the most giving, passionate. You can't help but just want to open up to her. So. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Beautiful. Okay, Kara, how about that good looking husband of yours? What's your favorite thing about him? I think my favorite thing about um, Mike is his, his vision. He has such huge vision, but he is so simple in the way that he um, goes about doing things and his love for anybody that is close to him or that he loves, he will do anything to make their dreams happen. And I just love that he always believes in all of our kids' dreams and he's just, and in my dreams, and he's so encouraging to honestly, everybody we come into contact with. Ah, you too. Oh, this has been so beautiful. And there's a lot of nuggets within this conversation. It was far exceeded. I didn't have um, low expectations. I had very high expectations coming in talking to the two of you, but it went way over that bar. It was so good. And I'd love just to ask the two of you as a couple, how are you going to be iconic today? We are creating a couples mastermind right now for 2021. Um, So today we're going to go live um, in Instagram and answer questions for anybody that has questions. And I'm launching a podcast, so he's going to help me a little bit with that today with some recording. So, and we're going to create the application to make sure we get the right couples in. So, yeah, good, very good. And where can they find you? Because I know everybody's going to want to come check you out. So, where could they find you? Um, The best place to find me is probably in my Instagram, Kara underscore Ayala. And Instagram for me too, at the Mike Ayala. And I have a podcast called Investing for Freedom. So good. Such a good podcast. Can't wait for yours, Kara. I'm going to be a new fan of that one too. I'm just so grateful for your time. It's very obvious why the two of you are so successful in life and marriage together. I am really, really overwhelmed with gratitude about this conversation and around this conversation. It inspired me in many ways. So thank you so much for just opening up and being vulnerable. That's not always easy as a couple either. So I love this and I just appreciate you both so much and the best of luck for 2021 because you're doing some pretty cool things. I'm excited. Thank you so much for having us. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you know how deeply grateful I am for the time and space you give to the Becoming Iconic podcast. 
It is an honor and a privilege to show up here twice a week and pour into you. And thank you for those five-star reviews that you've been giving and those beautiful compliments. It means so much. And the time you spend to do that is just the most beautiful way to give back. The other thing I want to challenge us to as a community is to share more. It's so simple to copy this link into a text to a friend who you think would benefit from what you just listened to or share it into your stories. Make sure to tag me, by the way, because I love resharing and allowing your network to maybe discover something that they wouldn't have if it weren't for you. And just a gentle reminder that jenspiegel.com, that website was designed for you, for you in mind and what you need in your life and business, the blog, the resources, the different ways of working together. They all sit there and they're available to you. So I challenge you to go over there and make it a habit of checking out what's new and exciting. At the end of the day, I just want you to know I love this community. I appreciate being able to show up for you and I just want you to make it a great day.